welcome to Ridiculously Imperfect. I'm Emily. And I'm Kelsey. And we are here to share life stories while embracing our imperfections. Each episode, we dig deep into the highs and lows of life, tackling topics with authenticity and humor. Our stories are meant to be told, not buried. Join us in being ridiculously imperfect. Hello there, and welcome back to Ridiculously Imperfect. It's Emily. And Kelsey. And today we are going to chat all things Kelsey. This is the Kelsey episode. But before we get into that, we wanted to share with you a correction we have from our last episode where we talked about the advice column and we called it I call it <laughs> Dear Abby. No, it's it is Dear Abby. Oh wait. <laughs> yes, yes. See, <laughs> Dear Abby was a column that we. I don't even know where we went with that story. To be honest, I no, I don't even remember either. But but I brought it up and I called it Dear Annie. Yes. and we were like that is not sound correct. So we apologize. <laughs> it was Dear Abby. Yes, she had wonderful advice. Um, and I think we were talking about sharing stories and yes. like advice and just, it was an outlet for yeah. people to. Absolutely. So anyway, it was, it is, was called Dear Abby, not yes. Dear Annie. So we just wanted to make sure that, you know, in case anyone was hung up on that little tidbit that we could correct that for you. So here we go. So like we said, this is the Kelsey episode and we are just going to chat all the things. So Let's kick this off by just starting with how would you describe yourself? This is way out of my comfort zone. We'll start with that. Uh, talking about myself. So um, how would I describe myself? I am a lover of Jesus. I am a wife, a mother of two, and a nurse for 17 years now. And yeah, that's the gist of me. How exciting is that? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize that you've been a nurse for 17 years. I know. It's crazy and sad and scary that it's gone that fast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So uh, what led you to want to be a nurse? I didn't want to be a nurse. You didn't want to be a nurse? Oh my gosh. Um, I wanted to originally be... Um, in occupational therapy and my high school counselor is like that's not going to be a thing and that was totally not true and so then I love interior decorating but I grew up on a farm and my dad did not understand what interior decorating was like you're just gonna put pictures on a wall and put a lamp on a stand (laughs) and so (laughs) I'm like okay well I guess that's not acceptable um, my mom was a nurse, and I had seen, grew up with that my whole life. And I do have just a gift of loving on people, caring about people. Yes, you do. Um, and very empathetic person to a fault sometimes. And so it did come naturally to me, um, and I fell into it. And it's been a wonderful career, and I can do and have done so many things with it. That's so awesome. I love that. So then your path to becoming a nurse. So you wanted to, you've thought about these other occupations. You obviously went to nursing school. So then after that, like, where did you find yourself when you were done with nursing school? So I, the plan going into nursing school, I was going to go to nurse anesthetist. Okay. I was going to continue on. I'm really impressed you can say that word because every time I try to say it, I sound like a dummy and I can't never <laughs> pronounce it correctly. Anesthetist. <laughs> um, and so I started the kind of track to do that. You had to do um, ICU experience and so forth. So I started on that track. Well, I then met my now husband. And so I blame it all on him that I did not continue on that track because he... um, He ruined everything. He ruined everything. Yeah. He really got me off course. I get it, girl. Um, (laughs) But so I worked um, in a cardiac unit for several years and then progressed to ICU and did that for several years. And then that's when I really knew I didn't want that high stress level for the rest of my life and my career and so I was actually okay with changing that course um and just fell into some different areas that I never thought of actually even knew were 
in nursing and yeah, I've continued on with that. So, and so what does your job today look like? So today I am um, a nurse for a plastic surgeon and we provide care for people um, with functional uh, issues and cosmetic issues. Um, So it's a lot of fun. I get to do all the things from helping with, you know, medical needs, cancer patients, um, to helping people just want to get rid of their lines and the little Botox. (laughs) So um, it's really fun and exciting. Yeah, I love that. So then let's back up to, uh, you mentioned in the last episode, and of course I know this, but you are from Nebraska. So talk about your hometown, childhood, Give me a day in the life of Western Nebraska. So I grew up in a very tiny town. The sign said 101 people, I believe, when I was there. (laughs) It's Funk, Nebraska. And if you can believe it or not, we had a university called Funk U. And for a while, we sold t-shirts. That was really fun. There's not even a stoplight. Um, but it was a wonderful way to grow up in a very rural community, small school. I went in one building, K through eight, um, rode on a little short bus and yeah, it was great. We had all the things, sports. I grew up showing animals, um, pigs, if you know that that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and we traveled all around and went to different livestock shows. Um, it was wonderful. It was a very peaceful way to grow up. Um, some days I kind of yearn for that a little bit. It's quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, my family is into um, farming, and so we're big into corn and soybeans, um, and they still do that. And so we really enjoy going back and having that part of our life, too. So my kids love it out there on the farm. Yeah, I bet. So then... K through you said K through eight was in one building. Yeah, that's intense. That's a, in a lot little tiny to town. consider. But I mean, yeah, it's in actually a, small a village. Town. It's a village. Yeah, it's a village. Like Pioneer Village. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Kind of like so that. for our listeners, if you ever trek to Funk or the surrounding area, Minden, Minden, Nebraska is, is the town. Where, it's yes. called this. Um, I don't want to call it an attraction or an amusement park, but what would a historical visual treat? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Although I did hear they are going to redo it. So you will have to return. I guarantee it's because I visited. Yes. That's why they are rejuvenating the area, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So, yeah, that's a. Truly, you should look up Pioneer Village. Um, I'm not going to say make a special trip out there for that reason alone. When I, but you <laughs> used to <laughs> I as did, a child. I did. And when I was in Kelsey's hometown at the beginning of this year, um, I had mentioned uh, it was her dad and her brother that I was planning on going there on my way home. And they were like, wait, what? Why are you going Why there? would you do that? <laughs> so I had to fulfill some childhood nostalgia. And uh, it it didn't disappoint, but it disappointed a little. <laughs> so, if that makes any sense. But anyway, we'll we'll move past that sidebar of um, Pioneer Village. So, you grew up in a small community. Your high school, how big was, like, what was your graduating class? My graduating class was 100, I believe. Wow. And, uh, my last name started with a W, so I was, like, number 99 <laughs> to be called and walk across the stage. Um, I think our total... High school had like 400. So then you, there must have been feeder towns into your high school, right? If the population was like 100 and then. No, because that town was 5,000. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, that's so, where you went to high school. Yes. Was Which town was that? Holdridge. Oh. Nebraska. So right, the right, little right. towns had the K through eight schools. Ah, I see. Okay. Where all the rural kids went and then you, all of those fed into the high school. Oh, okay. That, this yes. is making more sense to me now. Okay. So, cause I was going to say you graduated with more people than I did, but right. that makes sense because of the, the setup that you had. Okay, cool. So what did you participate in in high school? 
I was in volleyball, was my favorite. I was a setter because I'm short. And uh, what else did I do? I was on dance team, played tennis, and... Um, I had a job in high school. I worked at the sporting goods store. It was very fun. And <laughs> I was part of National Honor Society. Look at you, smarty pants. I know. <laughs> Seems so long ago. I just celebrated my, not to age me, but my 20th <laughs> reunion. So, um, yeah. I think that's about it. Cool. Okay. So then grew up in a small town. You now find yourself in the Kansas City Metro. What did you, what, I guess, what led you to land in this area? My husband, again, like, what did we say? He ruined everything. (laughs) Um, I, after high school, went to college in Omaha, Nebraska. So I moved to the big city, as we called it, you know, coming from a little town. And um, met my husband the weekend I graduated from nursing school. My roommate and I came down to Kansas City to see her sister and went out in Westport back then. was like the place to go of all places. (laughs) And we met in a bar. So. Oh, my word. (laughs) Yes. The rest is history. I still recall clearly being like, I will never see this. I will not see you again. And here we are. We've been married now 13 years. Yes, 13. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, like, do the math. Um, he, when we met that night, I was with my friends, and we went to get more drinks. And I'm like, I need um, three beers. And... I look back and I'm like, what would you like? And he's like, um, how about a sex on the beach? And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, a sex on the beach. And I was like, thinking to myself, I can never take this guy home because if he does not drink beer, he will never survive my family. And he has survived thus far. Yes. It is not without many a joke. And him getting thrown <laughs> under the bus. But he takes it very well. Yeah, he really does. He's yes. a good sport. So um, we dated then long distance. He was still going to college um, in Missouri for two years, I think. And then I, when he graduated and got his job here in the city, Kansas City, um, I moved here. So we've been here. I have been We've both been here together, I guess, since 2006. So, yeah. So then I, you know, uh, and we'll dive deep into this later, but I, my hometown's very similar to your hometown, like farming roots. Um, there's a lot of cattle in Western Kansas and feedlots and all of that. Did you ever have a desire to return back to what you considered home? It's funny you ask that because my family asks often and they always have these proposals of we have the greatest idea you guys can come do you know x y and z and it's not that we haven't thought or talked about it but we have created such a wonderful life here for our family um and it we have the best of both worlds like we have this um we have our tight-knit friends and group and community and we can still take our kids, our family now back and have the experience of the farm life mm-hmm. in, a, in a particular way. Um, I do now in the way the world is at times think, man, like if I could be back there raising my kids in what is a little bit of a simpler um, manner and way of things and just, I don't know. Yeah. Simpler way of life a little bit. And um would be nice, but I feel like we would miss more than than that would bring. Yeah. Um, aside from being closer to family would be awesome. But yeah. we make it a very big point to go back often. Yeah. Even though it's quite the distance, we go back very 
frequently. So that's nice. So I haven't ever had like I'm missing something or doing something wrong. And because of that, at times I felt guilt over that Mm -hmm. because I am the only one that left out of my family. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my friends from growing up are still there. And it kind of dawned on me at my 20th reunion, the 20th reunion this summer. I'm like, wow, I'm one of the only girls from our group that is still away. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did, when I left for college, I remember thinking, I just always, there was something more for me, something that I wanted that was different. Um, So, yeah, I'm content and I don't feel like, I'm missing anything. I'm very thankful from where I came from mm-hmm. and growing up in that manner, what that has provided me yeah. in my life. Good. So, yeah. I love that. Okay. So then back to just thinking about childhood and you kind of alluded to it just being, I think you said peaceful. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, what's a word, to, if you had to pick one word to describe your childhood, what would it be? Perfect. Oh, I love that. Aww. Peacefully perfect. Your parents are just beaming with pride right now. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, so then how, what's one word to describe your life right now as an adult? Chaotic. <laughs> you didn't Complete even hesitate. Opposite. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep. Get that for sure. So then, okay, so you um, tell me about your immediate family, like growing up. So I am one of three children. I'm the oldest, and I have two brothers. Um, The second is two years younger than me, Shane, and the youngest, Chase, is six years younger than me. So he was my life-size baby doll growing (laughs) up. I was a little mommy, and now he gives me a hard time that all his problems were because I dropped him on his head or something. And I never (laughs) did that. But, um, yeah, we were very close. And then I remember... Um, probably when I got to high school, because we were all in the same school building, right? Right. Yeah. So that was a really cool experience. Not the kids don't do that now, but it was so much on a smaller scale. Yeah. Um, even though you're in different classrooms, we saw a lot more of each other. So that was really neat. And then when I went to high school, back on the farm, you start driving at an early age. Well, really, we start driving like. By the age of five, because you have to drive for pipe. And they have to choose. Either they want you to see over the wheel, or they want you to press on the gas. Oh, my gosh. So, usually it was you needed to press on the gas and the brake, and then just hope that you were driving straight. But, um, yeah. So, once I started high school, and then activities and all of that, and was driving, um, not that we got separate. Uh, what am I trying to say? Not that we... Um, our relationship just changed because we didn't see as much of each other, mm-hmm. I guess. And so we've always been close, but they were also boys. And we did all yeah. the things together. Um, 4-H was really big. So we did all the livestock and the showing and all of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and can you describe, and I obviously know because I too was in 4-H, what is 4-H for any of our listeners who do not know what 4-H is, which, sorry, just makes me laugh because it was a staple of my childhood. So, <laughs> um, 4-H is a program. You're putting me on the spot here. Um, it's a program. <laughs> I just remember the clover. Yes. Because so, there's, there's, there's four H's. There's four H's. Heart, hands, hands, head, and is it health? Wait, my heart for good thinking. No, my head for good thinking. My heart for something. My hands for helping. Oh, if oh you can say gosh. the other one, I'm going to be so proud of you. That's because oh, there. Did you have to like stand up and do the pledge yeah, every morning or we every did. meeting? And my and mom was our troop leader. We were the four leaf clovers, and so me not being able to say this right now is really <laughs> going to disappoint her. I mean, we're quite a few years out from when yes. we were reciting all this 4-H stuff. I'm gonna have um, to ask my niece. She's heart, currently in hands, it, so she can head. help. Is it health? That doesn't sound right. That's what I was gonna say. It was health. Anyway, so there's four H's. So yes. that's what 4-H means, and then. Um, you can. It just provided opportunity for kids to learn um, many different things. You could do show livestock, sewing, baking, 
a lot of learning a lot of life skills and then the projects that you did throughout the year at fair the county fair yes you would go and present those projects yes so you would either show your animals you would take in your baking goods that you had and they would be judged um and you would receive a ribbon yes yeah oh man those were the days the county fair i have so many nostalgic memories yes which is why i have not been back because it'll ruin all of them (laughs) no sizzler for you (laughs) oh the sizzler oh my gosh um okay so that we talked about your childhood quite a bit was there anything specific in your childhood that you like are so certain that's how it shaped it it was the cause of why you are the way you are today. And there's probably several things. There's several. I would say the biggest is my parents. They are individuals who give the shirt off their back for anyone else. And I think that growing up in a small town like that, just with those morals um, and the faith and the tight community, I mean, you have like a neighbor every mile, right? Yeah. And, um, They were just like family, too. And everything was done in community. Um, And I think that just instilled in me the love of people and just helping others. Whether you knew them well or not, Mm -hmm. you were there to offer whatever you could. If it was your time, your resources, um, you know, whatever need it was that you could help them meet. For whatever reason. Um, And so I think that has shaped me a lot into who I am today. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So then let's jump back to today. You meet your husband and start a life here in the Kansas City area. And you guys had a couple years of no kids before you. My husband had a five-year plan. Oh, he did? Yes. Oh, he did. He has a lot I mean, of plans. That, that sounds for about right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we made it four. Um, and that was good. But we did. We got married in 2008. Eight. We got married <laughs> the same year. Yes. Yeah. I am not a psycho. I mean, I, I'm a little bit crazy. But um, <laughs> when she alluded to how many years they had been married earlier and I was able to answer it's because I got married the same year so I just want to throw that out there for everyone else that I'm just I'm not a complete crazy person just a little it's a good crazy <laughs> it's right a good crazy <laughs> um yeah we got married in 2008 and had our jobs and we just worked and now looking back we're like why didn't we travel more right. I mean we had a lot of fun but we never really traveled and that's one regret that we have like we should have went more places together. So to this day, we've still not gone on a honeymoon. And yeah. we have not traveled anywhere tropical or out of the States by ourselves. Oh, I see. Because you guys would just do years. a missionary trip. Yes. And that was obviously, it wasn't just the two of you. It was a yeah, big group right. of people. And you went to South Africa? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Which, that would be a really fun topic to talk about. Yes, that Some would. days, like missionary work. Yeah. Um, so, that's crazy. I don't think I realized that you two haven't done that. I mean, you've mm-hmm. been to Chicago, which is pretty tropical. And Hotlanta is also very tropical. Been to Hotlanta, yes. <laughs> so, we have done things. We have been places. Um, but that is on our bucket list. Maybe at year 15. We're going to be celebrating 40 years and 15 years of marriage in the same year so i think that constitutes for an actual trip yes for sure no a trip is work a vacation <laughs> a vacation yes. yes a vacation just the two of you maybe um, for a few days and then like bring some friends along to meet uh, us yeah i was already coming in your suitcase so yeah. i don't know why that wasn't already assumed <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, that'll be so great. So, how would you, and um, I'm assuming our husbands are fine with this, how would you feel about, or how do you feel about the state of your marriage right now? My marriage is more than I ever hoped for myself. And 
what I mean by that is you have this idea in your head and like what you think a good husband would be and Mm -hmm. should be and all the things. And then you go through relationships in life that are none of those things. Mm -hmm. And you think you learn your lesson and then you fall (laughs) into another one and it's just as bad or worse. Um, and I got to a place where I went through that and I clearly remember I was like, I'm not dating anymore. Like I'll go on a date, but <laughs> as soon as I see something I don't like, I'm like done. And I wrote a letter, a prayer actually to God. And I was like, it just laid out all these things. And I'm trying to remember, I don't know the year, but we have this letter. And after I met Brandon, um, I gave that to him. Once I had realized, like, this is the answer to that prayer. Oh. This. He is the answer. <laughs> I mean, he is this. To but. that prayer. So, um, oh. yeah. And he's just all of those things I had asked and prayed for and more. So, he is just, he's awesome. I don't know. He's he's the best. My husband's name is Brandon. I don't know if I even said that before. Um, and so we've been married 13 years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we have two children. No more are to be planned or had. Um, so <laughs> we are good on that front. We have a girl and a boy. And it's just sort of the perfect little four-member family. Yeah. That's called a one of each. Yes. <laughs> so, um, all right, cool. So you guys have been married 13 years. Uh, what's what's a heavy story, a heavy marriage story you could tell us that you feel comfortable sharing? So then that way everyone knows, like, <laughs> you know, we talk about being our authentic selves and obviously you adore each other, but mm-hmm. there's got to be some grit in there of some... Not so pretty things, right? So you want a not so pretty one? Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh man. <laughs> Let's see. So our biggest. Well, I won't say biggest. I'm not gonna like rate them little to small. But <laughs> one of the issues uh, we on a daily we have very different perspectives on time management Mm. and multitasking yes abilities um my husband is a rock star in his job which requires a lot of multitasking this does not fall over into our personal life (laughs) so he uses it all at work yeah i think it's just just like expired and gone and (laughs) it's no more um and so what i do love about him is that he is an amazing dad and he can put all aside and still find the energy to do all those things, play the basketball and play with the kids and and do all that. And I love that. He has a great sense of humor. Um, but when it comes to time, like, you know, getting out the door anywhere on time, like I just saw a question the other day, I think it was on Facebook. If you had to pick one person um, that would be late. Like if you were to, you were going to win a million dollars if you put a bet on this person to be late. And I sadly would pick my, he would be the name I would put in the pot. He would be my name too. <laughs> I mean, very close to my sister, but yes, yes for sure. Um, <laughs> so don't change your ways, babe, in case we actually get to enter this contest, you know, to win a million dollars. But um, it's not that he doesn't mean well and he wants to be on time, but it just never quite happens. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing we work on. And we, for us, is just communication. It doesn't always happen well. Right. Um, sometimes uh, they he's a fixer. And I think a lot of men mm-hmm. like to fix things. Yeah. Sometimes we don't need you to fix anything. We just need you to listen yep. and try to understand, like, where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if I've already got the kids' backpack ready and their water bottles clearly washed and sitting next, you know, on the clean mat by the sink to fill with water, 
you probably don't have to clean it and wash it again to fill her up. You know, just little things like that. Like, you don't need... Anyhow, I'm getting off track. But um, we just, yeah, communicate and again and again. It's not like it's something you wake up and you just have to do anew every day. Mm-hmm. And you choose and you do because you love each other. Yeah. And so, and I think because that, and we make fun of each other a lot and we have a lot of sarcasm. Um, and I love that. And I think that's an important staple of any long-term relationship is being able to balance out the love with fun and relaxation and jokes, (laughs) you know, whatever that looks like for everybody is a little different, but just it, you know, love can ebb and flow and looks obviously fade. And so it's really important that you have this like underlying foundation of just mutual care and respect and, I actually want to be around this person. Yeah. So, yeah, yes. that's that's good stuff. Oh, yeah. you guys are so cute. Okay, so we've talked about Brandon. Um, I also feel like you, okay, so earlier you mentioned that he takes jokes really well. And th- I can confirm this, he does. And something that is hysterical about Brandon is he's always like the guy who's in the wrong place at the wrong time (laughs) and has been injured. I can't even count how many times (laughs) when we're all together, when it's just like our two families, like there's been times where I feel like he and I were somewhere and I don't even know what we're doing. Maybe we're like at home Depot or no, we might've been like looking at something construction wise and somehow he got hurt there. And I'm like, dude, like what is this? But his shins are very sensitive. <laughs> his shins are sensitive. But okay, so all that to say, you mentioned you didn't get to have a honeymoon. Tell us why. Okay, so <laughs> that was one of the first thoughts that came to my mind <laughs> when you said share a story like about, but that, yeah. So I'll tell you about that. Uh, when we, we got married in August of 2008, um, the beginning of that month, we got married later in the month. The beginning of that month, he comes home one day and he's like, look at this thing on my leg. And it's like on his upper thigh. And I'm like, it kind of looks like a bug bite. He's like, yeah, but it really hurts. And I was like, well, keep your eye on it. You know, he's like, maybe it's an ingrown hair. Like, okay, I'll put some best tracing on it. It'll be fine. And he go, we go to work the next day and he calls me on his way home. He's like, I think I'm going to go by the doctor because my leg hurts really bad like it's hurting to walk I'm like okay fine you know whatever so he gets home and we were going out with friends that night to dinner and he said well they gave me an antibiotic and they took a culture of it like they swabbed it I'm like okay well did they open it or he's like no just over the top of it I'm like thinking to myself okay that's a little strange but okay because we all have staff on top of our skin But, like, if you really have a sore, like, what's inside of it? And so he starts on the antibiotics. We go out with our friends at night, and we're at dinner. And he tells my friend Nicole, he's like, look at this thing on my leg. She's also a nurse. We work together at the hospital. And he pulls his shorts up. And at that point, it was literally like a golf ball sitting on top of his thigh. And it had not looked like that prior. (laughs) (laughs) in my defense um and she's like you need to go to the hospital now like that is not good and he's like no we're going bowling we can we're going bowling and margaritas we can go to the hospital later that is exactly what we did he has a built-in bowling ball in his leg yeah we went bowling and had drinks all night and then he made me take him to the emergency room oh my god like at midnight and so, as we go in, I'm just like, do not tell them I'm a nurse. Like, that was always my thing. Do not tell them. And we'll just get through this. So, um, long story short, it ended up being a MRSA, uh, methicillin-resistant staph in his leg. And he was hospitalized for two days. Had to have a pick line placed, which is like a... Um, IV that can stay in for a longer period of time. 
so that he could be on very strong antibiotics so that this did not spread to his bloodstream and all of that. Um, he, of course, had a reaction to the antibiotic while he's in the hospital. Oh, my god! <laughs> because it's him. And so they had to give him, um, when that happens, you just give, like, a really high dose of Benadryl. And um, Brandon does not take medications well. <laughs> so <laughs> I, they happened to put him in the unit I was working on. And I come back to work the next day, and, like, he will not even respond to me. And I'm like, what did you guys give him? And they're like, oh, we gave him, you know, um, so much of Benadryl. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, he's not going to wake up. Like, he will sleep for days. And he pretty much did. So this led then to him having to have several um, small surgeries in a clinic office to take care of that. And my mom had connections as a nurse at the time. She was working with wounds had a connection here, and they put a wound vac on his leg. So at our wedding, he had a pick line in his arm and a wound vac on his leg oh and had gosh. to carry this, like, thing around in a purse. It was his, the <laughs> pump to his his wound vac. So we called it the Fosta Vac 5000. <laughs> and um, oh we just gosh. had, I mean, had to make the best of it and had the most fun with it. And so... Um, he was able to take it off and pack his leg for the ceremony. Oh, my god! And so nobody really even could tell. Okay. Um, and we left. We were able to leave it off that night. And so we had the best, absolute best wedding and reception. We had the best time. And then that next morning at our, like, brunch, we had to hook him back up. And we have all the pictures <laughs> of them putting his wound back back in his leg. And oh my he had his IV bag hanging up on the wall and it was something so we could not go to jamaica like we were supposed to because his doctors wouldn't let him leave and obviously with that infection we didn't we couldn't get in the water we couldn't have done any of the things anyway it would have been really dangerous um and so we luckily had bought the insurance to get our money back and so then yeah um we went to lake of the ozarks instead for like three days in between doctor's appointments. Um, and every morning I would hang up his antibiotics. We had to oh do that for a gosh, month. And no. we had a canopy bed. And I would get up at like 5.30 in the morning and I'd hang his IV antibiotics. And they would hang and infuse gosh. while I'd get ready for work. And then I'd have to go do my real nursing job at the hospital for 12 hours and then come home and do it again. Okay. And so he, how did he get this infection? That's debatable. <laughs> Many <laughs> ways. One story he likes to say is it was an ingrown hair and he had tried to pull it out with my tweezers, which again, then he's trying to place blame on me. But yes, um, that's yes. one option. <laughs> option two is he was playing softball at the time and slid and he had a strawberry on his leg. Mm. Well, then they went tubing down the river for his bachelor party. So that could also be a possibility. That is so just never know. crazy. And has he had any medical issues since? No, it did with that specifically. No, it. Um, when we went to the Lake Those Arcs for our little getaway honeymoon, it spread down further, and he had a second site oh open. My gosh. And then by the time we got back, they had to open that one and pack it. Um, but ever since then, we have not had, yeah, he's not had any problems. He has a significant scar, but he's yeah, good. He could use the street cred, so it's yeah. fine that he has a scar. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we've talked about childhood a little bit, Brandon a little bit. So then you become a mom. So do you want to share about your first momming experience like you know you have your baby and it's supposed to be delightful and all the things and what did that look like for you it was all of those things and then some um my um first baby um we chose not to find out what we were having so with both pregnancies um so with our first child um she did not want to come on her own, so I had to be induced. And I remember telling the doctor, I'm like, I just, I do not want to have this baby on a holiday. 
And she's like, well, I'll let you go as long as you can, but I'm going to be out of town here and we're already full here. So it ended up that I had to have my baby on Valentine's Day. Yep. Which is fine. And we love it now. But um, I was induced and went through labor. It went fine. There were a couple moments where um, after they gave me the epidural, I didn't have a plan. My plan was just do what I can, see how far I can get on my own. Um, And I did really well. And then my body just didn't progress enough. And so they were like, you know, if you want to do an epidural, it might help with things. And it, it truly did. So it progressed further after I received that. Um, but then the baby's heart rate dropped and things. So there were a couple scary moments. So I remember them like rushing the whole team in and everything. And she was fine. That kind of resolved. I pushed for two hours and she was born and she was healthy and wonderful. And I still remember like, it's a girl. And we were just like in shock. Um, so that was awesome. So fast forward a little bit. Um, usually by the time they move you to a new room, the epidural's worn off and you're like moving your legs and everything. Yeah. I could not move my legs and I could not even wiggle my toes. So I was like, that's, you know, we're asking the nurse, is this okay? She's like, well, we did give you a bolus towards the end. You know, it might just take longer to wear off. What does that mean? Like an extra dose? An extra dose. Because she was, the baby was sunny side up. So okay. all of my pain was in my back. I was having back labor. Yeah. And that was not fun. So, um, yes. So they gave me like a little extra bolus through the epidural. Um, and that was kind of what they were leaning on. So we go through that first night and kind of just the craziness that is of a new baby. You're exhausted. You're like in shock of everything that's happened. And oh my gosh, I'm a parent now. And it was, you know. All the good things. The next day is just as crazy because they're doing all the things with the baby. The hearing mm-hmm. test, she was also, her bilirubin was high. So we had, they were doing the um, pokes to check her blood frequently. And you just kind of, but here I am still in the bed and cannot move my legs or wiggle my toes. Oh my gosh. But I'm kind of not really a priority right and we're not honestly thinking about it but we mention it to the nurses yeah and um anyhow that day kind of goes on i had a really poor nurse that day unfortunately um and so she was not looking out for me at all not reporting anything and that night i had a really good night nurse that came in and she's like why aren't why can't you move your legs? Like you're not wiggling your toes. I think by that second night I could wiggle my big toe on my left leg. And we're like, we don't know. And nobody's been in to talk to us. And, um, they just kept saying, you know, the epidural had to wear off. Well, then the next morning we should be going home. And my doctor had left right after delivery and we knew she was, was heading out of town. Yeah. So her team comes in that third morning and they're like hey kelsey are you ready to go home and we looked at her and we're like i can't even move my legs and they had no clue it had not been communicated to them um properly or at all i don't really know and she's like what and so it was a fury then of oh my goodness we've missed something So then all the people were in my room. And so that day was very overwhelming. And I spent two hours in an MRI machine. Um, And that was the first time that I really didn't feel fear at all. Up until I remember coming out. Um, They put me in and then they pulled me out to give me a contrast. Mm -hmm. And... It um, blew my vein, the contrast or whatever, infiltrated. And I just remember telling the guy, I'm like, they were all very insensitive too. Like, we would be like, I can't stand on my own. I can't Mm -hmm. move. I can't do anything. And they were just like, oh, yeah. Like, but no attention to it. And we'll just get over to this bed. 
I can't do that. Yeah. So my husband would go with me everywhere. And then when they would physically see, like, oh, she's not kidding. Like, it was very, um, kind of unbelievable, you know, and you're just going through the motions kind of at that point. And so I remember when it infiltrated and I'm just like, is my arm okay? Like, I don't, sometimes there can be reactions and problems with that. Yeah. And I was like, I don't need one more thing. I remember right. that. And he, this guy was really insensitive. And I remember feeling my anxiety kind of start to build at that point. Like, oh my gosh, what's happening to me? I remember that being the mm-hmm. first moment of kind of asking that. Um, so then they put me back in. And if you've ever had an MRI, it's super loud. Yeah. It's like a banging hammer times 10. It's um, really crazy in a tight little space. And so I remember just laying there with my eyes closed, just praying. And that noise and hammering turned to an audible voice to me. And it was, mommy, 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 mommy. And then it turned to normal, normal, normal. And continued until they pulled me out. And I remember when they pulled me out, I just had tears running down my eyes. Because... One, I was in so much pain laying on that really hard table and everything I had been through. Not only could I not walk, I uh, it took them like an hour to like sew things up. So I had so much swelling and pain and, you know, sitting on a donut type of thing. Yeah. It was not fun. Um, And so I was in pain, but then I had this overwhelming sense of... I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And I can focus on my baby. So, um, I remember getting back to the room and the tears running down. And I remember just, I remember my dad crying. Um, and my mom and just cause it, and everybody like, we can't do anything. This should be, a joyous time of our life. Yeah. And we can't do anything to help her, and they don't even know what's wrong. Right. Um, so it was a crazy mix of emotions, um, which is exhausting. And um, so I remember that being very difficult. And then it kind of flips to defensive, like, we got to get people in here and help and figure all this out. Right. Um, and... God sent my saving grace that night, this old, ready-to-retire neurologist mm-hmm. um, who was wonderful. And he showed up. It, I'm not kidding. It was like 11 o'clock at night. He came into oh our room. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And spent probably an hour to an hour and a half with Brandon and I and did all these testing and everything on me. Um, but short um of a long story is that i had suffered um perineal nerve damage and he the simplest way to explain it is if your arm falls asleep you know to move it to mm-hmm. restore the blood flow because i had an epidural um and then they put me up in stirrups i couldn't tell my legs were falling asleep and they never did range of motion they never moved my legs they didn't do any of that and is um, that something that should have been done yes. okay all right um and then also when i was pushing they would push up against my legs you know um and so i didn't know they were falling asleep and so that continued which then caused the nerves mm. you know to um suffer damage yeah. so um he wanted to send me to a rehab facility and i begged him i said I have a new baby. I cannot go to a rehab facility. I've already been here for almost a week and with no answers until now and no help. They had not given me a shower. They had not brought me even a commode. My mom and Brandon were having to carry me or um, help me walk to the bathroom. And I would have to lock my legs like a toy soldier to get there. They hadn't even brought a walker at that point. Um, so that next morning, of course, therapy comes in and I remember them bringing the walker and I remember them taking me in a wheelchair to the therapy room. And before I could go home, I had to learn 
how I was going to navigate stairs or getting out of a car and all of those things. Wow. Um, so it was quite the experience. I did not um, walk alone without a device. Um, she was born in February, and I did not walk alone or without an assistive device until April. Wow. Um, and I did not, I was not left alone with her, nor carried her by myself until, um, I think probably April after that, maybe mid to late April, stayed, I, I remember staying home enough to where I could get her from, like, the bed to bassinet safely enough mm-hmm. that way. Um, but, yeah. So, she was, like, three months, I think. So then did you just have to, like take FMLA, just take off work during that time? Well, so another story. When I was six months pregnant, I was laid off from my oh, job. okay. Um, a company just unexpectedly took us in one day and let half of us go. Oh, my gosh. And that was a punch in the gut. In being six months pregnant, what am I going to do? How is this going to work? Mm-hmm. Um, but God had already worked all that out, and I did a temporary position for a while. And then um, at the time that I had Charlie, I was not working. So okay. it did not, that did not play a factor. Um, and then I went back to work um, in August. Okay. So well, I was about so six months post injury when I went back to work. So did you, like, one day in April, you were just like, all of a sudden able to do it or was it this slow progression of I can go this far by myself and now I can go this far and yeah it was very slow progression um my mom lived with us for six weeks I think wow or eight weeks um and she drove me to therapy three times a week and all this while I was breastfeeding or pumping because that was just one thing that I knew I could do mm-hmm. to provide for my baby. And so that was really important to me. Um, and then, well, before they sent me to therapy, they wanted therapy to come to my house. Mm. And the first day that therapist came, she didn't listen. Like, they all had not listened to the hospital and dropped me on no. the floor. Oh, my god. And gosh. my mom was downstairs with the baby, and she heard the thump, and she comes running upstairs, and I'm on the floor. And I just look at her, and my mom's like, we're not doing this. And so I remember, um, yeah, after that, having to get – we got in contact with my doctor and just had to kind of explain the whole story because she had been out of town this whole time. So she was not even aware of what had happened. And um, so she was able to get me into the therapy center, and they were wonderful. Is this the same doctor that you used for your second birth? No. Oh, okay. No. Wow. That is so, so crazy. So yeah. uh, do you feel like you were robbed of that brand new mom feeling? Yes. Um, I remember going into my second pregnancy um, or delivery, I guess I should say. Which looked totally different, but um, kind of robbed of that. And, like, I was fearful that something would happen again. Yeah. That we wouldn't have that. Um, and it was a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. And we went to several specialists. We found a new doctor that was absolutely amazing. And um, went a different route. We did a plan C-section to try and... Um, take away one element a possibility for it to happen again and everything went wonderful and so i remember the nurse they always ask like what are your goals right Mm -hmm. and they put them on that little board and i was like to walk as soon as possible and she's like okay (laughs) like she's like most women say to eat right away and i'm like no i want to get out of bed as soon as you will let me and i remember by the time um, we got back to the room. We also didn't know what we were having our second time around. And so I remember when they're like, it's a boy. And we were just like in shock. But it was so fun because we got back to our room first. Our family had no idea, you know, what it was. So we had little Charlie and she's waiting like, you know, is it a boy or a brother or sister? And 
but I remember that by the time everybody got to come into the room to see us, I was starting to already move my toes. Mm. And just the relief of that was overwhelming. So I do remember cherishing um, those days, because with the C-section, you had to stay for three days. Yeah. So I do remember cherishing those days in the hospital by myself or just with Brandon and the baby and being able to just kind of soak all of that in. Because yeah. it was so drastically different. Um, we have this joke that we st- I still use today. So in the midst of the first with Charlie and not being able to walk on the second night, we're like, you're delirious. You haven't slept. My poor husband is not only, you know, not getting rest because you have a little baby and you're feeding every two hours and all this. But by the time we would get done feeding and then he has to pick me up and get me to the bathroom or whatever changes that I needed to do, it was time to feed again. I mean, literally, (laughs) there would be like 30 minutes maybe in between. Brandon does not do well on little to no sleep. (laughs) And so I remember that one night we get through all of this and we get settled. And I think we'd gone, I'd fed, we'd gone to the bathroom. He might, I think he helped me maybe kind of clean up and get ready for bed. And it's late, like probably 1231 in the morning. And I'm like, I think we should probably get the baby. I think, you know, I need to feed her again. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. We just need to sleep. And I'm like, can you please come over, you know, come over here? He had like sat down on the bed and he's like, my shins hurt so bad. Oh, man. He's like, I cannot stand here any longer, Kels. I'm telling you, like, I need to get my slippers. And I just looked at him and I was like, are you serious? He's like, in good brain and fashion, it's way over his head that you're like, are you being serious? So he just continues to tell you the story how bad his shins truly hurt. He's been standing on them all day at my bedside. And I'm like, I know this. I birthed a baby. I can no longer sit and I can't stand and walk right. by myself, but we're going to worry about your shins. And shins. so we have this ongoing um, joke now about shins and his slippers. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that was the first thing we made sure to pack upon our second <laughs> delivery all right so then your second delivery you had a plan c-section all is well and he is now about to be six oh my goodness crazy how quickly that goes so um i think we're getting close to the end of our time but is i know you have plenty of stories and plenty of insight and we could just talk all night about all the things but is there something that you feel like we might have missed that you feel is really, really important to who you are and giving our listeners a sense of who Kelsey is. Hmm. Without getting, it's kind of hard without getting in further into things. Um, I am very strong individual um, I have a very high pain tolerance, like physical pain tolerance, and different outlook maybe on hardships in life. And I think because as we go through and we get to share more stories, maybe that will kind of unravel and mm-hmm. show um, wh- how you know I am the way I am today. Um, and it started at a very young age, just having, going through very difficult things all throughout. Um, and I think it's just shaped me through like learning perseverance and just strength, like how strong I am and what I can overcome and achieve. Yep. Even going through all that. Um, and that has... I think brought me to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I, I love that. And that will, I said that will, don't know where that <laughs> came from. That will become, it will be full circle for a lot of people listening as they do learn more about us and about you and 
especially your more recent struggles and health struggles. And it'll just, it'll just make sense and it will fall into place. Yeah. So thank you for just letting me grill you for this last hour. And (laughs) I know it's a, like you said, this is out of your comfort zone, but you did wonderfully well with it. Thank you. So we are going to uh, close ourselves out because that's our thing with some rapid fire questions and we had a couple fun ones at our first episode, and now we're in episode two, and we're going to continue. So do you want to start us off? Sure. All right. What's your favorite color? Uh, ooh, uh, I know this is a rapid fire question. It is green, but if I was being a crazy person, which we've established that, I would say teal, which is a shade of green. Yes, <laughs> but very specific. What's your favorite color? Purple. Purple. That's what I say, but I don't wear purple. I wear black. Yeah. Well, and I think fair enough. Like it's, it's one thing to have something be your favorite color and have accent pieces in your house, yeah. but then just wearing it. You I know. don't know that I even have purple in my house. I don't feel like you do. No, it's black and white, <laughs> <laughs> which I love a lot. Okay. Biggest irrational fear. Um. I don't know if this is irrational. I don't I don't like going fast. Does that count? Like Sure. Yeah. I like can hardly car? Yes. Like I need to be in control. Okay. I do okay being in the car, but I still like have a hard time if you're going like super fast onto a like off ramp or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that can feel to me like I'm on a roller coaster. It's very odd. So I don't know if that counts. I don't like going fast. I do not like roller coasters. Um, is that an irrational fear? Uh, no. What is yours? I think it could be. Yeah. Um, so mine is uh, when the elevator doors are closing, I always feel like somebody's going to jump in and attack me and kill me. <laughs> or maybe have a friendly conversation. Either way, I don't want somebody You totally did that when we were in Chicago. In, jumping in on you. Or watching the elevator door shut. Yeah. You were very worried about yes, and we somebody were on joining floor. us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not that people aren't invited to my elevator car. I I mean, but I just always had this thing of like having to watch it shut. And if someone like pops their hand in and, you know, I just feel like the whole here's Johnny from The Shining and Jack Nicholson's face is like, Wah. And I, I mean, it's so irrational, but I just, I have to watch the elevator doors close. I don't think I've ever been in one where I didn't watch them close or wasn't paying attention to just the door frame, all of that. It's, it doesn't make any sense. And I don't even have a catalyst as to why I am this way. It just, as long as I can remember, I've been terrified of people jumping in the elevator and either scaring me or being a bad person and doing something bad. <laughs> It's a good one. Mine that's mine was not an irrational fear. Um, kind of along those lines. I don't like escalators. Yeah. Escalators? Yeah. Okay, I can do them, but going down terrifies me. And I have kids. I can't stand to touch somebody, like if they want me to hold their hand or whatever, because I feel like they're gonna pull me down <laughs> or like my somebody's shoelaces are always gonna get caught yes. in it. Yeah. Um, that's probably more along the lines. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Do you want to ask one more before we close out? NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? Ooh, I was an NSYNC girl. Backstreet Boys. Ooh, we've got some split choices here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And what's funny is this is definitely going to date us because people in our age bracket are going to totally understand how this is a question. And then our younger people are going to be like, who, the what? I mean, Backstreet Boys released a song a couple years ago. I don't know if it was an entire new album, but they had some new music. And obviously NSYNC probably never will, uh, because Justin Timberlake is kind of the coolest and does his own thing. So, uh, yeah, that's just, I think it's going to give a good view into how old we are (laughs) and uh you know what our tastes were back in 
back in those days. So, the olden days, as yes. my kids say. The olden days, yes. I love it when I've been asked or told that. But yeah, mom, back in the olden days when you did this. And I'm like, yes, we would have to untie my horse so that we could go to the grocery and get some milk that was in a jug that I had to return the next day. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, how old do you think I am? <laughs> and then I started telling them, like, I'm just a dinosaur. And then at one point, one of them started telling their friends that and repeating, oh, well, my mom's a dinosaur. I'm like, oh, not wrong. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thanks again for just all of that, for yes. sitting there being authentically you and dealing with those questions and then like i said if you're listening and you know kelsey you're like oh man that's not even the tip of the iceberg because it really isn't but it will give you a just a view into who she is and what it was like growing up and how that formed her and where we are today thank you so yeah of course all right peoples until next time keep it Ridiculously, ridiculously imperfect. <laughs> I was going to say amazingly ridiculous. And then I was like, oh, we need to write it on the wall so I don't biff it like that again. But hey, that's what we're called. We're ridiculously imperfect. That's right. Yeah. So keep it like that, people. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ridiculously Imperfect. You can find us on Facebook at Ridiculously Imperfect, on Instagram at Ridiculously Imperfect Podcast, or at RidiculouslyImperfect.com. This podcast is produced by Emily Eaton and Kelsey Foster. Our sound engineer is Isaac Moreno with Kingdom Come Studios. Until next time, keep, keep it, it Ridiculously, ridiculously imperfect. imperfect.